0: So where are we to find joy in this season? Where are we to find the strength that will take us through this current times? Well, Nehemiah chapter eight and verse 10 tells us that the joy of the Lord is our strength. That means that it's God's joy that is our strength. The emphasis here is on what makes God joyful and not so much on what makes us joyful. It is by focusing on what makes God joyful and on his strength that we, in return, will find what makes us joyful and what makes us strong, not just for this coronavirus time, but also for the rest of our lives. So let's look at this context of that verse in Nehemiah chapter eight. Centuries before, that God had made a covenant promise with the children of Israel, that he would be their God and they would be his people. The problem is they couldn't keep their side of the covenant agreement. So they ended up by being exiled into Babel. But now God, in keeping his side of the covenant agreement, had brought them back to Jerusalem. Why? Because to God, knowing his people in covenant relationship is what brings God great joy. God's joy is him knowing us and us knowing him in covenant relationship. And when we realise that God is our joy and that God is our strength, we will have the joy and the strength to see us through these times. However, in Nehemiah chapter 8, the people God their perspective of what God's joy is about completely the wrong way round. When the priests teach God's covenant law to the assembled congregation, the people are convinced that God is displeased with them because they haven't kept their side of the law. They fail to realize that God's joy is in his knowing of them and them knowing him and not in how well they keep the law. They've also failed to realize that the crux of the issue to God is the importance of them being his people, intimately known by him. The priests refocus the people back onto what God's perspective of joy is. They declare do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. God's perspective is that he derives profound joy from knowing us in intimate relationship. And when we recognize that God's joy from covenant relationship is so profound and so deep that he is always willing and always able to fulfill his covenants towards us, we will obtain and find our joy and our strength in him. But it is God who is the initiator of the process. Just like we love only because he first loved us, we have joy only because God has first has joy in us. And if that is true in Nehemiah's day, how much more true is it to us as Christians, that God's joy for us is that He is our God and we are His people. That God's joy to us in our 21st century coronavirus affected world is still in His covenant relationship with us as His people. And yet, because of Jesus, we have a far greater revelation of both what both God's joy and his covenant relationship means. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse two gives us a glimpse of that greater covenant relationship when it says that for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. As one translation puts it, because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his, he endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation. And now he sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. <laughs> wow! Jesus' joy is the profound joy that God feels over our completely restored relationship with Him. Jesus' joy is the joy that our forgiveness, our salvation, our redemption, our restoration brings God. Jesus' joy is the joy that Jesus feels when he calls us his brothers and sisters. Jesus' joy is the joy that Jesus feels at being in us and us being in him. Jesus's joy is also the joy that Jesus feels when we are joyful in our restored relationship with him. But to Jesus... The joy is so great of our restored relationship with him that he was prepared to suffer anything, including death on the cross. Jesus created the whole universe, fully aware that he would have to die on the cross. But to Jesus, the joy of restoring our relationship to God was worth all the suffering. Jesus came to earth fully aware that he would be despised and rejected. He would have the anguish of Gethsemane, the agony of the cross, the burdens of sin and the separation from the Father. But to Jesus, the joy that he received from restoring our relationship with God was worth all the suffering that he would have to endure. You see, to Jesus... You are worth it to Jesus, knowing you is worth all the suffering. And just as we as Christians have a far greater revelation of the joy that God has to us than they had in Nehemiah's day. So we also have a far greater revelation of God's joy in fulfilling his covenant obligations to us. In the beginning of Romans chapter eight, Paul writes, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit has who who gives us life has set us free from the law of sin and death. Now the law of sin and death is the law of Moses that the priests read out in Nehemiah Nehemiah chapter 8. It was a covenant between both God and us where God promises to be our God provided that we fulfill both the letter and the spirit of the law. The problem is, we couldn't do either. And so we came under full condemnation of both sin and death. And that's why Paul, in Romans chapter 7, cries out, Wretched man that I am, who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? But Paul goes on to say, thank God. He the answer is Jesus Christ our Lord. Why? Because Jesus Christ, the perfect God-man, perfectly fulfilled both God's obligation and our obligations under the law of sin and death. As perfect man, Jesus perfectly paid off all our debts under that law. And as perfect God, Jesus perfectly completed and fulfilled all God's promises under that law. And therefore, in Jeremiah 31, God declares, I will put my new law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. God's promise is that even under the law of sin and death, he would send a new Messiah, a promised Messiah, Jesus, who would give us a new law, the law of the Spirit within us, the law of his Holy Spirit being within us. And what's so wonderful about this new law of the Spirit is that it is a law between God and himself. It's a covenant agreement between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And God has Perfectly fulfilled both sides of that agreement in the God, man, Jesus Christ. You see, we are not involved and therefore we can't mess it up. We only benefit from all that Christ has given us by fulfilling that law. We are in a win-win situation. So do you see that Jesus imperfectly fulfilling the requirements of both the law of sin and death and the law of the spirit on our behalf has restored our relationship to God perfectly. And in that, God is delighted and that is the source of God's joy, our restoration with him and that is the source of our joy and our strength. So what does the joy of the Lord mean practically for us in our day-to-day lives? Well, firstly, let's go over and mention a few things which it does not mean. It does not mean that God is commanding us to always feel joyful and strong in every situation, be it good or bad. Rather, God is calling us to share in his joy, because in sharing his joy with us, we find our joy. And it does not mean that God is condemning us if we don't feel joyful 24, 7, 3, days a year in every situation. Because under the law of the Spirit that those who are in Christ Jesus are now under... There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And it does not mean that we are to be joyful in the fact that we are suffering. We are not to be joyful in suffering for suffering's sake. No. We are to be joyful in the fact that. Christ is with us in the midst of our suffering he's holding our hands he's with us in the fiery furnace he'll take us through the flames he'll take us through the water he'll take us through sickness he'll take us through pain he'll take us through death we are joyful in him and his presence with us in suffering and it does not mean that we somehow have to pretend that we're joyful to God and others, that we put on a mask or a smiley face when deep down our hearts are broken. God is a good, good father. He knows exactly how we feel and he wants us to be honest with him so that he can heal us and help us. Rather, the kind of joy that God is talking about here is about how much delight God has in us. The Hebrew word in Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 10 means that he rejoices over us, that he delights over us. You see, God rejoices over you. God delights over you. God created you in his image and he delights over what he has made you to be. And he delights so much that he wants to know you intimately and to be known intimately by you. Song of Solomon, chapter 7 and verse 10, tells us that God's desire is for us. What it really means there is that God is running after us because he finds our Our experience of knowing us, so joyful. The picture here is of a suitor running after the person he loves, chasing after the person he loves because he wants to be in their presence so much. And that's what brings God joy. So much joy that he'll suffer on the cross to have it. So much joy that he wants to make a way for us. And he wants to rescue us. That's why in in Psalm 18 and verse 19 it tells us that his love broke open the way. And he brought me into a beautiful, broad place. He rescued me. Why? Because he delights in me. And just like a, a suitor who forgives and forgets the flaws of the person he loves, And focuses instead on the beauty of that person who sings over that person. Zephaniah chapter 3 tells us that God delights over us. He sings over us because he delights in us so much. It says, the Lord our God is in the midst of you, a mighty one, a saviour who saves. He will rejoice over you with joy. He will rest in silent satisfaction. And in his love, he will be silent and make no mention of past sins or even recall them. Rather, he will exalt over you with singing." And yet, a suitor's joy is only made complete when it is reciprocated. God's joy over us is profound. But when we respond to his joy to us by placing our joy in him, it gives God even more joy. And it's hard to get our minds around that concept, but wow, God gets joy when we have joy in him. And that's what Paul is talking about partially in in that verse in Philippians when he talks about rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice because Jesus rejoices over being united with us in our restored relationship with him. And when we rejoice also in being united with Christ, it brings Jesus joy And then we in return realize that the joy that Christ gets from our being joyful in Him makes us want to have more joy in Him. And just like lovers and suitors, we just delight in one another and bringing joy to each other. That's why one translation puts it be cheerful with joyous celebration in every season of life. Let joy overflow, for you were united with the Anointed One. And just as God's joy over us is focused on who we are rather than what we do. So God's, so our joy of God should be focused primarily on who he is and yes, on what he's done. Most definitely on what he has done. We are to be exuberantly joyful over all he's done for us in the past and the present and the future. Almost oh, definitely. But what he has done for us is to focus us on who he is and how great he is and how majestic and wonderful he is and how much he delights over us. And that's why Psalm 70 verse 4 puts it this way, but let all who passionately seek you, Lord, erupt with excitement and joy over what you've done. Let all your lovers who continually rejoice in the Saviour say aloud, how great and how glorious is our God. So how do we dispel those lockdown blues? Well, we dispel them by being strong in God's word. We dispel them by being strong in the truth that God declared towards us that his joy to us is our strength. That God has joy over us long before we ever have joy towards him. That God always has joy towards us, even when we don't feel joyful towards him or joyful in our lives. That God always has joy for, over us so much that he really, really wants to share his joy with us so that we can enjoy it as well. That in our relationship with him, he's prepared to put anything and suffer anything, even if it means enduring the cross that God experiences incredible joy in us when we find our joy in him.